welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I am Doug. I'm pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about us at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Today's podcast is for the fourth Sunday in Epiphany, January 29th, 2023. I've entitled this podcast, Preaching Christ Crucified based on a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. So grab your Bible and let's dive right in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Here ends the reading. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We preach Christ crucified, declares the Apostle Paul in this letter that he writes to the first century church he started in Corinth. We preach Christ crucified. The center of our faith and life is Jesus. Christ is Lord and Savior, the beginning and the end. The church isn't a political organization or cult of personality. No, Paul insists, Christ is at the center. We preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. Jesus is the incarnation and revelation of the God described throughout the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth with a word. The Creator's Spirit gives life to all living things. It's been noted that the name of God sounds like taking a breath, Yahweh, that life begins when we first utter God's name, Yahweh, and it ends when we say God's name for the last time, Yahweh. Yahweh, the Bible teaches over and over again, is Hesed. Yahweh is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Hesed in the Hebrew. It's translated steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy. The Hesed of God, the steadfast love of God never ceases, the Bible says. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God is faithful, the Bible teaches. The God, God is Hesed. So when the creative word of God becomes flesh, that's how the writer John describes the coming of Jesus into the world. It's no no wonder that the life of Jesus Christ, his ministry and his death, all reflect and embody the hesed of God. We preach Christ crucified because the central feat or accomplishment of Jesus is his crucifixion, his death on the cross, For us and for our salvation, the creed says, he came down from heaven for our sake. He was crucified, suffered death, and was buried. 
Now, the cross is so much more than a mere divine transaction. That the, the, It's true there was a price to pay for our sins and Jesus paid it, but the cross demonstrates and symbolizes more fundamentally the hesed nature of God. The cross reveals that we worship a God who suffers, a God who sacrifices, a God whose love is unconditional and has no bounds. The cross is not primarily about God's judgment or wrath, but rather the demonstration and the sign of God's hesed. God so loved the world that for us and for our salvation, Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save us, mostly from ourselves. And that's what we preach. We preach Christ crucified, Paul says. The gospel message that for our sake he was crucified, that Jesus died for you. When Jesus died, he had you in mind. So everything that we say and do, when we preach, it's filtered through, seen through the lens of Christ. That means we read the Bible through the lens of the cross. We see the world, we see our neighbors through the lens of the cross. That is, we look for Jesus and in all things and in all people. As a result, we start, not only do we see the world differently, but the world sees us differently. They see us looking and acting a bit off. You will know the truth, warns Flannery O'Connor, and the truth will make you odd. <laughs> Paul himself warns us that the message of the cross is foolishness to half your friends and a stumbling block to the other half of your friends. That is to say, the people around you, when you preach Christ crucified, will likely think you're either crazy or going to hell, or both. Our Lutheran tradition embraces this reforming thread, this cru cruciform thread within the Christian church. It weaves its way through the prophets of the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul, through Martin Luther, all reformers, reframers, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, always moving forward, no turning back, no turning back. One of those Old Testament prophets is, a, is named Micah. His message 2,600 years ago was to remember who and whose we are. Remember the Hesed of God who liberates from slavery and provides manna in the wilderness, who protects from enemy kings and evil curses who pours out the Spirit and promises to dwell among the daughters of Eve and the sons of Adam forever. And then he does some preaching. This is from the prophet Micah, one of the last writings of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> he writes, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will Yahweh be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does Yahweh require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Here ends the reading. With what shall I come before Yahweh and bow down, he asks. What is a fitting response to the hesed, the mercy, the loving kindness of God? 
What does God want or need from us? After all, God already owns and rules over, every, over all creation and, and every creature in heaven and earth. There's a poet named Asaph who imagines God's exasperated reminder to mortality, to humanity in Psalm 50. I don't need your bull, saith the Lord, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. God doesn't need your bull. (laughs) God has shown us what is good, Micah says. The proper and fitting way for us humans to respond to the hesed of God, Micah writes, is this. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. To act justly, the best translation of the Hebrew might be closer to just do the right thing. Think before you act. Use discernment. Use your best judgment. Make your actions consistent what you believe to be right and best. Do the right thing. Act with integrity. Don't just do what you're told, and don't just do whatever feels good. Do the right thing, and so far as you're able, do the right thing the right way. And that is the second part. Love mercy. Fall in love with love, it's saying, with the, with the hesed, the loving kindness, mercy, steadfast love kind of love. The way I read it, this today is that we should always do the right thing and we should always lean on the side of hesed. The right thing should always reflect hesed love. I think about the Advent hymn we sing, love be our song and love our prayer and love our endless story. Hesed love is the defining characteristic of the God of the Bible. Hesed love is the defining message of the cross. And so Hesed love should become our deepest desire. They'll know we are Christians, after all, by our love, by our Hesed. So do the right thing. Make Hesed love our aim, our ethic, our default mode. And then walk humbly with our God. I think the humble thing is helpful. Living a life of faith, it's not an ego trip. It's nothing to boast about as though we've somehow accomplished something or earned something. Walking with God has to do with obedience to God's command. It has to do with aligning our lives and our actions with God. It has to do with proximity to God. Jesus invites us to follow him, to walk with him, to trust his leadership and to grow more and more like him, to get closer and closer to him. Wherever Jesus goes, we are to follow, even to the cross. Take up your cross, he says, and follow me. Because doing the right thing isn't always popular. Doing the loving thing can be hard. Obedience to God can get you killed. Just ask Jesus. So one more Bible passage. This one, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. These words of Jesus are sometimes referred to as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here ends the reading. Now, there's a whole sermon there, but at the very least... Reading the Beatitudes ought to convince us that the way God measures value and blessedness is very different from the ways that social media, popular culture, or the IRS measure it. I want to suggest to you that this list is descriptive, not prescriptive, and that we understand the Beatitudes to be inclusive, not exclusive. What I mean by that is this. I believe that we should read it descriptively. That is, it describes, not prescribes, (laughs) how life is here on planet Earth. It describes poverty, grief, oppression, bullying. These are not things we should strive for. They're simply things that we experience. And what Jesus is saying is that the gospel is inclusive, That no matter what you're currently experiencing, no matter how difficult or trying your circumstances, God is still faithful. God is hesed. God is with you. Your circumstances do not define you or exclude you. I believe that Jesus is not dictating a narrow list of pious virtues that somehow separate the haves from the have-nots. Rather, the Beatitudes are a broad and encompassing proclamation of Christ crucified and the inclusive and boundless Hesed of God. So welcome to faith. God is here. God is faithful. God is rich in mercy, abounding in steadfast love. And God is for you. Jesus died for you to show you and the whole world the Hesed nature of God. And so in response to the Hesed of God, those of us around here, well, we try to, we live to do the right thing. We try to lean into the hesed mercy of God and to follow Jesus even to the cross. We know that it won't make us rich or happy or successful, at least but not by the world's standards. We also don't judge by outward appearances, but we trust in the faithfulness of God. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for some, foolishness for others. We preach Christ crucified, even if it kills us. The Lutheran tradition is a reforming movement within the larger church, and Faith Lutheran is a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, as I say every week. And this means that as Lutherans, we're kind of wired to push the edges. Because we, we look for where Jesus is, and we go there, we watch for what Jesus does, and we do that. We know Jesus is the truth, and that, well... That makes us odd. So like Paul, we look through the lens of the cross, we look at our world, and we wonder who's being left out or left behind. In Paul's day, the Holy Spirit led him to reach out to, uh, to include Gentiles, non-Jewish people in the church. Radical thought. But Paul realized that Jesus died for them too, that the Hesed of God is for them too, that the Spirit of God fills and equips them too. 
And over the centuries, the Spirit has continued to compel the church to reach out and include others who were once regarded as unclean or unworthy. You know, it turns out women have a voice and calling in the church. (laughs) Who knew? And slaves. Not only are slaves equal in God's eyes, we also figured out that slavery itself is contrary to the hesed of God. It's not the right thing to do. So now we, the church, oppose slavery in all its forms to this day. We now realize that interracial marriage is is fine, don't we? And that a person's race or skin color or ethnic background isn't nearly as much a thing as we used to believe it was. And that it was, was and is wrong to displace nations and to take native children away from their mothers. We see and notice the economic disparities in our nation to this day. We see and notice the damage being done to our planet. And we know, we know the truth, that these trends do not reflect the hesed of God. I bring all this up in part to recognize that many of the reforms that we, that we take for granted now really aren't very old. The war over slavery in the United States is barely over 150 years ago. 60 years ago, white folk were still aiming dogs and fire hoses at little black girls and boys for daring to go to a school that they said was for whites only. My mom was ordained in the Lutheran Church 40 years ago. That was cutting edge for a woman to be a pastor. Interracial marriage was only just now being legalized in many states, having formerly been determined to be some kind of abomination in the eyes of God. And that orange banner we have in the Faith Cafe reminds us, helps us remember the unmarked graves of Native children stolen from their homes, left to die in boarding schools. On this continent, in this century, See, through the lens of the cross, we have the courage to look at the way things really are. And filled with the Spirit of Christ, we are compelled to preach Christ, to do the right thing, to lean into the Hesed of God, and then to walk humbly with God, no matter where it takes us. So now we're wondering about this whole LBGTQ thing. Surely the Hesed of God extends to queer folk, too. Maybe, like race and skin color, one's sexuality and gender expression isn't as important as we once thought it was. So there's a group of leaders from faith who are attending a workshop this coming weekend to explore what it would look like for faith to expand our welcome to people of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. And they're going to come back with some ideas and some suggestions for expanding our welcome that we can wonder about and explore and pray about together as a congregation over the next year or two. And we're going to get crucified for it. Half of our friends and family will think we're going to hell, and the other half will think we're just wasting our time. But we're Lutheran Christians. We proclaim Christ and Him crucified. We resolve to walk humbly with our God. So we will do this 
because <laughs> because we know the truth and the truth makes us odd. We know we will do this because of the love of Christ compels us. For we believe and preach that the Hesed of God is for both Jews and Gentiles and everyone in between. Black and white and everyone in between, poor and rich and everyone in between, women and men and everyone in between. So pray for us. Pray for the people of faith. Pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, that we may act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Thanks for listening, everyone. To learn more about faith, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. While you're there, you can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for the newsletter. You can get this podcast on most podcast platforms, including Apple and Google and Spotify. Chaz, Nadia, you guys are the best. Thank you for your production work on this podcast every week. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.